Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded, recently hitting 6 million listens. Support us by buying a copy of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a small donation. In return, we'll give you the chance to nominate a guest and even win lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. Find out more at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Okay, I just pressed the record button. Thanks, Giovanna, for reminding me. All right, so today we've got our first clubhouse of the week. We've got Gianluca Queroli, and he is interviewing Raffaele Boscaini from Massi Agricoltori. And so before we begin our clubhouse ambassador's corner, I would like to introduce Gianluca, an international tax consultant for 20 years. And um, he made a career switch and joined the wine industry eight years ago. And originally he's from Italy. Where are you exactly from Italy, Gianluca? Um, I'm actually from, I was born in Milan, in Lombardia, but I lived most of my life in Liguria. Oh, okay. Okay. And which accent did you got? Um, I think I got more the uh, Genova Ligurian accent because I spent most of my time there. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I actually don't recognize the accents yet, but I, I kind of see the difference somehow with the Tuscan accent. And I don't know, I really have no clue yet. So anyway, so let me just continue on with uh, biography. So he's now based in Boston area where he owns and runs Wine Empire. And he's a fine wine retailer. And he holds a degree, a master in accounting and international tax and speaks fluently in three languages. And he also dedicated himself into many aspects of the wine world, tasting events, wine, wine education. And he became our Italian wine ambassador here in Vinitaly International Academy and educator through the VIA in 2019 and is a certified French wine scholar, American wine expert in Bordeaux, Burgundy, Alsace specialist and also a share wine specialist. And he also holds a WSET diploma and currently a master of wine candidate. And in 2021, he launched in U.S. the Italian Wine Maestro Certification. So how's it going for the Master of Wine study so far? I was really hoping that you would not ask me this question. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to be very diplomatically saying that uh, it's going at a very slow pace. But this year is going to be the year where I'll pick up all the, um, um, the slack of the last couple. So. Yeah, I, I'm sure you can do it for sure. Definitely you can. Thank <laughs> I, I, you for the vote of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, why did you select Rafael Boscaini as your favorite producer? It's actually, as probably many of our listeners do know, finding wines outside your region uh, or where you belong in Italy 
is not as really common practice. Of course, there are appellations that are more recognized and sold across, across the region. And uh, Valpolicella is certainly one of those because I spent my time between Lombardia and uh, Liguria. I was very much exposed to, you know, Nebbiolo, Barbera, uh, first and foremost. But my own father and grandfather were actually true lovers of Valpolicella wines. I think a friend of my dad introduced him to um, a couple wines from uh, Masi. I believe it was a Valpolicella Classico and the uh, Campo Fiorini. I never really tried growing up, but I always heard the name, you know, Masi. So one of the first things that I did when uh, we opened the store almost nine years ago and, uh, you know, try to fit in the category of uh, Veneto and Valpolicella in particular, I asked uh, our distributors to actually taste the wines and is the first uh, Italian wines that I ever brought to my store. Since then, we have a big display in the middle of the store and is pretty much one of the displays that we never change since day one. And uh, actually, that distributor is a very good friend of ours, Ciro Pirone, that works for Horizon Distributors. So, Yes, Ciro Pirone has also been one of our moderators here on Clubhouse Ambassadors Corner. So we love him for being our supporter for Italian Wine Podcast. Yeah, so that's really great to have Massi in your portfolio. And I think Raffaele is actually very happy that you've actually suggested him first to be part of the portfolio. So that's really amazing to hear. And so I would like to ask you the second question. What are the learning objectives that we should expect from this interview? Yes. uh, You know, basically, you know, we're going to run through um, a number of questions with Raffaele. I really hope that people will walk away from today's podcast um, to get to learn more about Mazi as a family and their philosophy of making uh, and seeing and drinking wines with a little bit of travel between and among past, the present and, uh, and future. Also, we're going to touch upon things like you know climate change, sustainability, and the state of the industry for the Valpolicella wines. So in any other future and exciting project. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. All right. So before before I get on for the third question, there's a quick hello from Lindsay. And she said that hello from an Amer- American advanced sommelier from US here. So yeah, that's her saying hello. Hi, Lindsay. And okay. So last question. How did you discover the wines of Massey? I was uh, actually introduced to the name without tasting the wine from uh, my family, from uh, from my father, and then we decide uh, when we open, you know, the store to taste uh, some Valpolicella wines and his appellations. And uh, I was really, you know, struck. I still I am, you know, struck today every year that I buy even the younger Valpolicella and, and Campo Fiorina and Brolo wines for our store. I actually store away one or two bottles, and I'll go back after a few years to kind of like compare and contrast is always like a fun thing to do. Um, You know, the really main reason is very, very simple, but it's very, very true. For me, the wines made by Mazi, they're never boring. They always sort of uh, speak to me. Um, They always, you know, um, give me like really great feeling, uh, depending on whether, you know, we drink a a fresh young wine or more complex and, and age, you know, Amarone and the different labels and terroir. So um, very simply, um, you know, put, there are wines that really, really excite me. Okay, I'm very much looking forward to this interview. So I am going to mute myself now and I leave the floor to you, Gianluca. Ciao for now. 
All right. Very good. Thank you so much. And welcome, everybody. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, whatever you are, and hopefully many uh, in the world. Just going to take a minute or two just to introduce uh, our friend, Raffaele Boscaini. Should probably take more like an hour, given his uh, experience in bio, but I'll make it short. So we'll go to the nitty-gritty of uh, our conversation. So many of you probably know already um, Raffaele, or at least his family, uh, producing, uh, obviously, uh, wines in the Valpolicella uh, area for about seven generations. His father, Sandro, was the founder and the chairman of Masi Agricola. Uh, and they truly are a leader in the Valpolicella Classica area. So for many reasons, some technical, some cultural, and certainly from a, a winemaking standpoint really um, stands out. Raffaele, after he finished his primary schools, he obtained a diploma from the um, WICT uh, in the UK. And then before he joined the family business, he actually had many, many, many experiences in Italy and abroad. Uh, you can only imagine from importer to uh, retailers all along the uh, supply uh, chain. Uh, after he gained his experience outside Mazi, he joined the family, uh, the family business in various and technical um, administrative roles and law by law increased responsibility. Today, Raffaele is involved mainly, I wouldn't say um, only, but mainly in marketing aspects uh, and has been for, for many years now, especially as a role of general coordinator of the technical group. Uh, together with his father, Sandro, and his sister, Alessandra, uh, now uh, Raffaele is uh, the brand ambassador uh, worldwide, and he particularly works with uh, North and South America, but he also obviously has a great capacity and expertise in enology, and he's been uh, called to speak to various conferences and, and seminars. He covered several roles, uh, especially within the uh, various sections of uh, the uh, Confindustria, from Giovani Imprenditori to Agroalimentare and the Lago Colina Veronese area. Uh, of Confindustria and uh, today is the uh, chairman of Confindustria Verona and as a member also of the general national board of Confindustria from uh, the uh, four years um, from 2021 until 2025. Uh, I think I've said enough. Um, I'll leave it to um, Raffaele to add anything that I hopefully not omitted. I let you uh, say hello, Raffaele. And then we'll start off breaking the ice with the first question. Uh, thanks, uh, Gianluca, for this uh, generous introduction. And uh, uh, good afternoon, good morning, or good evening to everyone, even on my side. What else? I don't have many to add, but maybe you talk a lot about my experience into the Confindustria. And it's something that uh, I want to underline, that is the fact that uh, I feel these feelings to be uh, in a way, uh, cooperation and association is uh, something that uh, belongs to my wine experience. I always think that the wine, uh, wine business, uh, wine uh, manufacturing and wine enjoying is always a question of uh, sharing and having uh, this uh, uh, opportunity to talk with people uh, and uh, enjoy uh, them together. So that's why even my role in this association is so strong. 
Uh, thank you so much, Rafael. It makes it makes sense. Uh, just by looking at your resume, you could not think otherwise. Once you see all these different you know roles within uh, this certain area, certainly speaks uh, about volume and passion about that. So let's start with the uh, with the first question. Very classic ice breaking. We'll give you a few minutes for you to summarize, and so we can bring everybody to the same level. In case. I doubt there is somebody out there not familiar with Masi Agricola. What are your highlights that you can give about your family business to the audience? Um, yeah, uh, I think that the highlight is uh, uh, really what you say, the family business. So being uh, um, a family that grow and through the generations uh, into an environment, a specific environment of our uh, land, uh, trying to uh, let's say, interpretate in this uh, um, environment all the uh, values, uh, including the one expressed by the fruit of this uh, environment, the wine, of course, but the values that come from the people, from the culture, from the, the way of living and the way of being uh, in, in this world. So uh, is a, a, an environment of farmers, an environment of uh, um, countryside where they say that the value are quite uh, simple. Work, uh, respect your uh, land, your area and the people around you. Uh, so this is probably the main thing that they really make together into our family and not just my family, but the families of the area and even the other wine producers, food producer or producer of anything in the area. Grazie, Raffaele. Thank you. That hopefully will give everyone a really good sense. You know, Mazi is a family, first and foremost, and uh, as a business is all about uh, sticking with the historical context. And you guys have been around for many years, seven generations. Mazi wines and the brand in itself uh, is extremely well recognized, not just in Italy, but in many countries of the world, I think I left maybe a few months ago reading up to maybe 160 or 170 countries in the world. So as you obviously you come in in the last few years of this seven generations, what have you have seen in the past, Raffaele? And what are through the eyes maybe of your parents and grandparents through today, we do, what are the main milestone that Mazi have been able to achieve and manage via tradition and innovation? Yeah, so it's very clear, the question, and, and I have uh, even, a, uh, hopefully, a very clear answer. Uh, there are many uh, milestones, but some of them are really uh, more important and more visible. First of all, um, of course, not uh, um, not everything under my direct experience, but something that I, I've heard and I has been told to me. Uh, but first of all, the first uh, big milestone was uh, the transition uh, that happens uh, uh, between the 50s and 60s uh, from the wine that used to be not just a commodity, but just a part of the energy that the humans need for their life. So uh, really a commodity in terms of uh, energy, as I said, became something that instead is a pleasure, uh, as it is now for the most of the consumer. So a pleasure and, and all the values uh, that a consumer search. This happens, as I said, between the 50s and 60s. Then, of course, the second milestone was the one of the 
quality, uh, so to enrich your quality, to improve your quality in order to have better wine, long-lasting wine, more pleasant wine, uh, wine that are more, let's say, equal to the standard that uh, the French uh, style wines were. Then, uh, to me, a third step was basically equal uh, at the same time to create both uh, the personality of the wine. So a wine that speaks about what? About the other element that grows up, the brand. So giving a name to this uh, wine that uh, gets, uh, first of all, a pleasure, then became a quality and now is branded and with its own uh, character. And those are, uh, let's say, macro steps uh, or milestones, as you said before. Moreover, came the technical ones that are spread out all along the years and the, and the centuries, actually. The technical ones that uh, came, uh, of course, of using tradition, normal local tradition of way making, great growings, uh, great varieties, uh, tools, uh, technique of way making, the drying of the grapes, appassimento, and so on. Those are all elements that were in the environment, in the cultural heritage of the area that my family, of course, uh, uses. But then they became, of course, elements where we, uh, of course, try to improve. Uh, so I can name several innovations led um, by Maggi, but even by other producers, including, for example, the more um, effective and qualitative viticulture. We are in the uh, 80s, probably, but before that, more uh, care in the way making, uh, including, for example, the uh, use of uh, uh, selected yeast for to make uh, a difficult process like the fermentation of the Amarone. Moreover, the, let's say, renovation or reinventing the system of uh, ancient system of uh, uh, wash the, the pomace with some light wine to get a better wine. With that what became uh, after the, the release in the market in '64 of Campo Fiorentino became the ripasso technique. Uh, but then coming back uh, on the yeast, even the selection of uh, uh, indigenous yeast that make the same uh, job as the cultured one, um, or that. Uh, we are going around 10, 15 years ago, even the DNA study on the variety that are uh, better performing for drying uh, during the, the, the winter time. So many, many steps, uh, but uh, all with uh, a sort of uh, link one between the other that uh, create what, uh, as you said before, Mazi, it is now is, of course, production of wine, but is even a name, is an heritage of a family, and even, of course, a specific character that uh, I believe and I'm proud when I see people that say, okay, as you said before, taste different or taste as Masi. I am expecting from Masi. Thank you, Raffaele. This is really, I hope it gives everyone a really good handle on, you know, the management challenges and and work that needs to be um, uh, juggled between tradition and innovation. I always love to ask these questions to um, my producers, to whoever, you know, applies. And somehow I always figure to have an idea, never much in detail like, you know, you described, but that goes without saying the tremendous amount of effort that Mazi Agricola has put 
into actually establish his mission, his values, his culture. It's a follow-up of simple questions, but approximately how many employees, how many people work, you know, today at the winery, Raffaele, and it's difficult to quantify how much time you devote to this aspect of your day or on an annual basis. The answer is not easy. Uh, you're right. Uh, at Masi, we are around 140, but that's include, of course, uh, not just the winemaking, the, the wine growing and so on, but all the other elements that nowadays company are really necessary, uh, including, of course, the marketing, sales and so on. Wine to Wine Business Forum. Everything you need to get ahead in the world of wine. Supersize your business network. Share business ideas with the biggest voices in the industry. Join us in Verona on November 13 to 14, 2023. Tickets available now at pointwine.net. Moreover, we started a few years ago even another, let's say, business union uh, that is called the Mazi Wine Experience that includes even the direct link to the final consumer. Uh, so it uh, means uh, that uh, we are uh, having some restaurants, uh, uh, wine stores uh, run by us. And of course, uh, this uh, allows uh, us to have uh, quite uh, a number of, of uh, employees. Very good. So everybody's been warned. Uh, it takes about 140 people to conquer the world uh, <laughs> if done uh, in the proper manner. Uh, I guess uh, I'd like to ask next uh, something that maybe I'm, I'm a little bit selfish with this following questions and is, and is about really state of the market, you know, sort of like a, you know, present time. We all know, um, especially I am a retailer, uh, the type of competition uh, that um, stores, um, importers, you know, restaurants, everybody through the supply chains, we facing globally. There are surplus of, of wines, of must, of grape, uh, even though we live in a very, you know, special and, and challenging, you know, time with issues directly and indirectly from climate change. But, you know, clearly there is a lot of wines out there. We can discuss all day long where there's a good quality, moderate quality, low quality. But for Valpolicella in particular, what do you see in the near and the long term, you know, future? Um, how do you see uh, Valpolicella wines in general, or if you like to add for Mazi in particular, to overcome the state of the wine industry that we have today, Rafael? Wow, this is a big question. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, anyhow, I would answer to this question with a sort of uh, philosophy that we develop uh, and we believe we really interpret it day by day. So is uh, with the nature at work uh, speed. Uh, so uh, that is uh, just a nicer way or a more effective way to uh, talk about uh, balancing, uh, to be right uh, in the correct, uh, uh, sustainable uh, uh, way of uh, dealing uh, with our with the world, with the world of wine, with the world of the consumer, with the nature, with anything. Uh, so. What means that? Means uh, you talk about overproduction and many other aspects that uh, can uh, affect, uh, in a way, the uh, wine uh, business or the wine industry in total. And this is something that, uh, of course, uh, concern us, concern uh, all the community of producer, or concern even sometimes the 
the countries and then the governments and so on. I always believe that the recipe is uh, not to have a, a specific uh, solution, but going back in what nature teaches us, balancing, doing the things with the right speed, with the right consideration of uh, all the aspects that we are uh, of course, uh, facing, let's say. Uh, so, uh, where to go with Veronese uh, wine uh, in the future uh, is, uh, once again, a question to be in ourselves. Uh, so, keep uh, a track of our uh, own uh, origin, our own tradition, but keep uh, innovate and being at the latest, uh, not, I don't want to say not a trend, but at the latest uh, needs of a consumer and even the needs of our earth in a way. What could mean uh, being conscious of what we are doing in this exact moment? Very good. Thank you, Raffaele. Folks, uh, I think uh, you're getting better and better grasp of uh, what Raffaele is trying to communicate and always going back and in circle to managing tradition and innovations. Um, this is one of the most uh, fascinating aspects to deal with this. And this is like those sort of things that unless you go and visit the property, unless you listen, and that's one of the main reasons why I love to talk to Raffaele throughout the year is just really to soak up all this uh, tradition and innovation. Let's switch the subject for a second, you know, here, Raffaele. And um, I was for the first time at your properties, uh, probably prior to COVID, so almost five years ago. And it was uh, down in the cellar. I saw this pretty large oak wood barrels. What I thought it was very interesting was to see the signature various you know folks from different cultures and different industry to actually not just to put the name but to actually sign on it and that is where i learned a little bit about the mazi foundation um you know awards and culture can you tell us a little bit about what this is all about um maybe how it works so everybody actually gets more familiar and spread the word around it's, it's a very a very nice uh, story behind this uh, and uh, a nice reality nowadays. So, first of all, the story. How comes that uh, uh, Masi feel the need to have a foundation and to promote the Venetian value? That was uh, back in the 70s. Uh, my father was uh, quite at the beginning of his career in, into Masi, and he was uh, really uh, very... Um, um, I mean, motivate to uh, bring to the consumer, uh, um, I mean, uh, wines of a certain premium wines or ultra premium wines, but uh, the, uh, the reputation of the uh, Venetian wine was very, very basic, very low. Uh, at the, the time, the Suave and the Valpolicella were sold in a half a gallon bottle with a screw cup, uh, and that's it. It was a very generic wine uh, and very poor in terms of uh, uh, content, uh, but moreover, the reputation. And he wanted to, uh, instead, to uh, move uh, um, steps ahead with the Amalone, with the Ripasso-style wine, and so on. And it was a really hard time for him, and he was quite frustrated on doing that. So what was the idea that came uh, talking with some friends, uh, some uh, uh, one uh, journalist, uh, one uh, owner of a restaurant, and so on? So 
came out this idea, but why don't you associate your wine to the uh, culture of the era, of the Venetian era, which is actually, as I said before, is totally true, is totally correct doing that. So in which way, if you give a prize to your land, so to the Venetian expression in anything, in art, in industry, in uh, music, in poetry, and so on, and the prize itself uh, is the wine, so that means that is a valuable, right? That was the conceiving of the Masi Award that uh, take place in the first edition in 1981. After that, uh, this became a very nice uh, story that after over 40 years, still uh, uh, giving prize to, they say, the people of the Venetian area that really distinguish themselves or their industry or their opera all around the world. And the prize is, uh, of course, a vial of Amarone. And this is the idea that really runs very well. Very interesting, very nice, amazing, and uh, especially unique. And I actually did not know that it was all the way back to 1981. So it's been for clearly over 40 years. That speaks um, volume. We are going to ask you something of probably your core values or core, I should say, um, factors in in today's role and, and what you do, um, you know, Raffaele, what you do, you know, best, which is, you know, marketing, among other things. Can you tell us um, very high level, what are some of the uh, uh, strategies that uh, you have employed at Mazi, whether in country or around the globe, that maybe work well and something, you know, maybe that didn't, if you have anything or maybe uh, some others with challenges. So let the um, audience know how it really works. I named before this uh, Mazi wine experience uh, project. That is something that we are, uh, of course, uh, took place uh, a few years ago in terms of uh, structuring it. But it's something that at the same time, I always say, has been always with us because we believe for the unicity that we want to express in terms of production style and heritage and so on. We believe that approaching Masi means an experience, not just a tasting one, but more than that, hopefully. Uh, so um, this uh, project that came out uh, from, from my office uh, wanted to uh, create a real link between uh, uh, ourselves and the final consumer. Uh, you know that uh, all the supply chain uh, after us is quite long in order to deliver the glass of wine to the consumer. There's, uh, of course, our sales manager, then the, the area manager, then the, the importer, the sales rep, uh, and up until the end, the sommelier that poured the glass. So in all these steps, uh, this uh, message of uh, uh, uniqueness, of, uh, um, of uh, personality, is pretty much lost. I always say, is if you are lucky, in the States, for example, in a restaurant uh, in Denver, uh, if you are lucky, the message delivered is a red wine from Italy, nice. And that's it. <laughs> so after seven generations of uh, history and varieties and everything, we, we barely uh, lose uh, a good part of the, of the thing. So how to bring the message directly to the consumer? So nowadays, fortunately enough, we have a lot of uh, uh, media that help us, uh, like the, the social media, like this uh, that we are doing today. I'm in contact with uh, people, with uh, consumers that are dealing directly with me. So it's beautiful. 
Nevertheless, we believe that to have an experience is even a physical place. That's why we open all our wineries and cellars, estates that we visited, and we open a series of restaurant wine bars or wine shop in order to really deal directly. Is it enough? No, I'm not satisfied of that because, of course, physical places are here and there, not everywhere. We have two of the three of them in Italy and one in Germany. And we are seeking other places where we can open. But, uh, of course, once again, we will reach a very limited amount of uh, uh, miles consumer. So what is my aim? And I'm working hard to make it happen, to create a Masi experience of anybody that go in a wine store, in your wine store, and buy a bottle of uh, Masi, bringing home something can create his own Masi wine experience. And this is a question, once again, of communication, of giving this uh, perceived or effective extra value by buying Masi. This is the core of our uh, marketing strategy, to giving something more. Uh, the people uh, need to be fascinated to have uh, and, and proud to have a bottle of Masi on, on their table. Excellent, excellent. And uh, Raffaele, may I ask, why Germany? And uh, um, are you looking at um, um, additional openings that you can you know, share or speak of at this moment? Why Germany? Um, it's not Germany because it's Germany, because in this project uh, we need to find uh, some uh, partner that are not just a uh, um, business partner. They, they must be Masi enthusiasts. They need to love Masi. Uh, otherwise, uh, could work, no story, but this uh, uh, message they want to, to, to make, make happen doesn't happen. So, in the case of Germany, we have this uh, uh, guy that knows us uh, since uh, uh, several years because he has a, a home here on the Lake Garda and he comes to our estate quite often and became a mass enthusiast. He is into the food business because he do he have a company that uh, is a catering for a caterer for for airlines, and he said, "Okay, we need to open a restaurant together." and when it's said by a guy like him that is really an enthusiast of ours, we say right away, <laughs> find a place. And in, within two weeks, he found a place. <laughs> and and he's working very well. Very good. Uh, uh, so because even, you know, into the Masi uh, wine bar or, or restaurants, you need to find them. Um, Someone that represents the ownership, the one, the man in charge, like we have in Italy in the Osteria, there's the Oste. And the Oste decided, uh, right? It's not just a, a branded restaurant, it's a restaurant with a soul inside. I'm going to find a restaurant, I'm going to find an airline, and I'm going to convince you to open a Boston East Coast Mazi experience. Is that okay? Oh. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Folks, go visit the one that uh, in Italy is fantastic. Um, so let me see here. So sort of like a big question, but maybe not way too much into details, but it's such a current, you know, issues that uh, I really want to know your take on uh, how Mazi is really approaching and dealing things like climate change, sustainability, mm -hmm. and all the good stuff. Everybody talks about it. 
you guys are doing something. So, because I've been there, but I want everybody to know. Big issues. Uh, everybody knows. Uh, everybody talks, uh, and uh, and we, we need to act uh, and um, and so on. I would say that uh, um, I normally um, um, interpret it when we're talking with the with the word uh, sustainability. I always uh, remember that sustainability is not just to be environmental friendly. It's much more than that. Uh, sustainability is uh, uh, at least in the three elements of, uh, um, of, of course, uh, uh, social, economic, and, uh, of course, uh, environmental uh, sustainability. And this is as a first uh, uh, step. So uh, we need to act and to perform in all these three space. Uh, when I talk about uh, uh, our experience as a interpreter of uh, a land of terroir, as I said before, I believe that uh, the first sustainability that you have to care is the one of your environment. So means, uh, of course, the environment intended like a physical environment, but even social environment. Uh, that is something that uh, comes with the wine industry, even if you don't want, or at least with the food industry. So is the supply chain we are transformer of something produced by someone else. Grape, ourselves, but even we, we buy grapes from growers. So this relation must be perfectly, uh, perfectly uh, run and uh, working very well. As a, a matter of fact, as an example, we do uh, link very much with our grape growers, having them to our, uh, let's say, environment as a Mazi brand, and of course, we work with them deciding together all the operation to be done, how to grow the grapes, uh, the quantities, the qualities, and so on. And this is something that we do in a way since uh, the beginning. But the more interesting things, and happens to me uh, a few weeks ago, where we had the, our, uh, we have three meetings with our growers every year. And a couple of weeks ago, we had the one before the harvest. And this guy that is from a family, I don't know, he's quite young, came to me and he told me, Raffaele, I, I make the calculation. Is the 112 vintages that we deliver grape to your family? <laughs> Can you believe it? 112 vintages in a row? That's a long this, time. Uh, this is a long time, but means that is really something is something that is uh, uh, we cannot live without them, and they cannot live without us, right? So, and probably I don't think we have even a contract. It's just uh, four generation that, that uh, deal in these ways became natural. So, this is the real sustainability in terms of uh, at least economical and social. In terms of uh, Environmental sustainability has many things to do that we did, that we will do, but without really uh, saying stupid things. So we are impactful. Anybody is impactful. There's no story. The impact zero doesn't exist to me really consciously because in the morning when we step on the grass outside, we are having an impact. So the, the human activists are doing that. So what is the solution eventually is to be less impactful possible and eventually to give back something to nature when it's possible with the many uh, instruments. Uh, so, as I said, planting something, uh, um, cleaning some areas and, and, and so on, or 
doing our best to make the environment better. And uh, just to, to wrap up this uh, consideration about uh, the um, environment uh, uh, responsibility, I tell you this story that to me is very quite touching. My grandfather uh, used to, and we keep doing that, uh, used to in the in the in the past uh, to when we uh, put a, a new vineyard, we put the plants and so on. Uh, instead of uh, watering the first time, just uh, end of the world as a symbol, they water the vineyards with some wine, just a sort of uh, giving back uh, uh, something to nature. Wow, really, really fascinating. I think I was quite shocked to hear you saying that for four generations or over a hundred years, um, <laughs> you have you have this almost like a handshake, you know, contracts that are not you know contracts, and in today business driven. You know, world when everything is extremely yeah, documented is. It's, you, you, need I think is you need a lawyer. Yeah, yes. yeah. I think this is very, very rare for sure. So, and I think it's you put it in a very nice way a moment ago. You need them, and they need you. Where you find that common ground, I think uh, you really, you know, plant all you planted. Uh, you continue to plant all the seeds uh, necessary to succeed in the future. Thank you for sharing this, uh, Raffaele. Is there, you know, any uh, new, uh, you know, projects, anything fun, anything uh, new you can share? Really not necessarily on this sustainability topic or climate change, but from any angle, anything, is it something that you particularly maybe you look forward to in the next uh, three, five years? We are always very open to innovation and to look around ourselves, uh, what is the what happens and so on. Uh, I can name a few things that we are trying to um, make happen. Uh, first of all, one is uh, into the um, sustainability things. So we are now, of course, uh, working in order to have uh, the best out of it. So if uh, we have uh, global warming and uh, or at least uh, uh, climate challenges, uh, let's say in this way, to be less scary, right? Uh, there are many things that we do and we can do for to uh, have, a, let's say, a soft landing, including, of course, uh, choose a variety or a training system method and many things or, or rootstock and, and so on that we are, of course, doing. I'm not really that uh, scared about. Of course, you need to put attention to what you do. But so far, I have to say this uh, climate change, uh, in a way, can help a little bit, at least in our area, especially for the drying of the grapes. We have a beautiful grape uh, coming out, uh, so it's perfect for the drying in dry loft. Um, the, others, very uh, nice. Other, yeah, other things uh, uh, that uh, are uh, embracing all uh, uh, other um, part of our business, of course, as I said before, is uh, a matter of uh, being close to the consumer, to talk with them, to understand them, and moreover, uh, even to uh, teach them something. But once again, not teaching uh, the lesson of how to make wine, uh, which barrel to use, and so on. I mean, if someone can be interested in that, but I need to teach the people how to enjoy the wine. I always say that as a wine producer, we really uh, made a bad job in communicating wine. In, until, <laughs> until, yeah, really, because we communicate the wine in a technical way, 
making a sort of a wall between us and the consumer. Uh, I always think uh, to to an example. You buy your shirt, uh, knowing you is probably an Armani shirt, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's right. And you, and you buy it because you like it, because you feel that it's good for you. And you don't know anything about the cotton, where it's coming from, and you don't care. It's guaranteed right. by Armani and the style, and you fit well. And and this that's all. So always, when I have friends, of course, when I'm out with friends, I'm the one that chooses the wine. And I have everybody look at me, what I'm doing, and so on. And they ask me, what should I feel in this wine? I say, what do you feel? Apricot. It's apricot. <laughs> I won't yeah. say no. Or uh, how do I know if it's a good wine? If you like it, it's good. If you don't like it, it's not good. <laughs> as I, simple as. <laughs> I, very, Make I very much share this philosophy because a lot of people ask and we and sell a lot of bottles and people ask always yeah. the wrong questions. Can you sell me something that you like? It's like it's not about me because what I might like, it might be completely different than what you like. It's what you like. If you like your big wine, tannic wines to be chilled, so be it. Just enjoy you know, what you have. Understanding what is coming from is just extra. We are wrapping up and getting close to the hours, but I ask to have one yeah. more minute because I need to ask this very last question. The last time I visit you, I walk out with your father's book, Mr. Right. Yeah. And, and I have a very big reputation for buying a lot and a lot. I have storage with books that I either read for a third or not even open. I just love it. So your oh, father's really? book did not even make it on the plane to Boston because I finish it in one sitting, how much I enjoy. So the question to you is, uh, are you going to write one like your father? <laughs> uh, you know, um, I think that the writing a book is something that you write a story. And I, I, I feel myself too young to have a story that is enough interesting. And nevertheless, I have to say that year by year, day by day, so I really see even that experience of anything is always nice to share with. I do nowadays with my kids, with friends, with the consumer when I'm doing a wine dinner and so on. So never say never. Very good. Very good. I'm sure we'll be friends for a long time and now we'll be pushing you um, maybe in a few in a, in a few years to do so i'm gonna this up and, and give it back to like for now i want to thank rafael so very much i know how busy you are but i think it was a tremendous um you know hour that you spent with us and hopefully you know people walk away with a much better and deeper understanding of uh, what really mazi means thank and, you and and it was a great, great pleasure for me. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you so much, Gianluca and Raffaele, for this time. And thank you, Gianluca, for introducing Raffaele to us, of course. So before I end the room, I wanted to ask if anybody from the room has any questions for Raffaele. Okay, so... All right. So in any case, you can send an email to us at info at italianwinepodcast.com. And um, also, I wanted to say that the conversation is recorded and we are going to publish it up next week, Thursday at 8 a.m. Italian time zone. This week, there's another clubhouse. It's going to be Cynthia Chaplin. She will be interviewing Antonella Cantaruti. Um, at 5.30 our regular time slot. So thanks a lot, guys. Goodbye. Sure. Sure.
Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, ciao.